Rumor has it there is a secret base hidden underneath the Archelaus. So have you ever been in a spaceship? Don't try this at home. Secrets of Area 51 Reveal. I'm from Series A, not Series B. Who are you, huh? Yeah, hey, Mama. It's time to open your eyes, open your mind, and shift your paradigm. You're tuned in to the penultimate episode of All Night with the Living Geeks. I only ever get to say that once. A podcast in which we investigate and discuss high strangeness. And the weird world in which we live. Why, ladies and gentlemen, did I say penultimate? Because that means the episode before the ultimate. Next month will be the ultimate episode of All Nightly Living Geeks. Not just because it's going to be amazing, which it will be. But because come February 2024, we've been mentioning it for a while now, but let's just remind you, we will be rebranding. In fact, I've already gone and uh, because God only knows what Twitter is going to be like in a couple months, went ahead and changed the handle there. Mm. Um, And so don't panic. Change is coming. It will be fine. It's what we say in the Doctor Who fandom all the time. <laughs> um, anywho, I am your host, Taylor, and across the virtual desk for me tonight is my brother, Seb. How are you doing, my boy? Good evening, good evening. Well, to be honest with you, I am literally kicking myself with regret. I Wow. I I, I didn't know I was that flexible, but I've been stretching. I mean, um, good. Good. Stretching is important at our age. I yes. I there you know, I gotta say they're they're just a couple days ago, there was a big UFO conference just a couple hours away from me over at Stanford University. Oh, was there really? And I, I'm, I, I've been following some folks on Twitter over the weekend, and the, yeah, the the, the, the roster of people that were there. Um, Jack Valet, I could have met Jack Valet. I mean, he's wow. he's in his 80s. How much longer yeah. are we going to have that guy? You know, uh, who knows? And it's it's. I'm like, man, I need to like turn in my like saucer membership badge because i just dropped the ball and uh yeah i've been kicking myself so look for for what it's worth i didn't even know what was happening so gosh anyway well you know (laughs) okay okay how are you how are you i'm i'm doing pretty all right i'm doing pretty all right um uh you know I, i know i complained last month of just how insanely busy life and work and everything has been yeah um it's it's still busy but not quite as frantic mm. or frenetic one of those f-words mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah i mean sure it's been other f-words but you know we'll we'll leave that to, to the listener's Hey-o. imagination hey <laughs> bazinga um yeah i mean at this point we're we're kind of just really <laughs> as we record this uh we're just a couple of days away from thanksgiving there's away from some new doctor who which i'm very excited hey. for um and and yeah it's really it's just really a few weeks until we're all on christmas break Mm. um and and you know barrel rolling to one of the most important things at the end of the year your birthday hey uh hey all right that is right um so anyway yeah yeah um life continues to be busy i have had many a day where i've suddenly looked up and been like okay wait i swear to god i just did one thing how is it two hours <laughs> later um so maybe i'm having incidents of lost time uh, <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Yikes. 
Yeah, not the fun kind. No, no. You know, it's the ones where I'm actually still getting work done at work. Like, that's not, like, <laughs> my goal with these things. But anyway, I digress. Um, speaking of, I don't know, missing time, mm. uh, what's been new in your weird this past month? <laughs> well, I have a, a slightly new obsession. Oh, dear. Uh, I am desperately trying to track down a Russian television documentary from 2006 called The Great Mystery of Water. I mean, hopefully to okay. find a, a version that's either dubbed or subtitled, you know, into English so I could, you know, follow along. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I recently found out about this online. I'm not entirely clear, but I think the filmmakers try to make the claim. I've never heard this before. Water is sentient oh i thought you were about to say wet because i'm like i think we can prove that i think water water is sentient yes they go they they one of the things they talk about apparently allegedly in 1956 in a secret military lab in southeast asia get this oh boy scientists were discussing a new biological weapon of mass destruction and all of the scientists present were hospitalized with food poisoning after drinking plain water so the filmmakers claim that the water decided to poison them. <laughs> oh, man. Isn't that, that... That's like the nuttiest thing I've ever heard. I love it. This might be the first documentary I ever want to see, given the MST3K treatment. Oh, my gosh. I'm just like, this is a whole new, whole new ballgame. Anyway, that's, so... That's, that's pretty <laughs> hilarious. They're just ignoring the fact that they were in Southeast Asia in the 50s. I know, right? Uh... Where water quality, I'm sure, was beyond excellent. Well, so stay tuned, folks. Maybe I'll be able to find this, or maybe one of our oh, listeners man. where I can know where I can find it up streaming online or something. I don't know. The so. great mystery of water. Yeah, I was gonna say I almost. I was like, is this like a James Cameron The Abyss kind of thing? Nope, apparently not. <laughs> it's like I have to be careful what I say around a glass of water now. You know, I yeah, you might piss geez, it off and yeah. like try to kill I'm, me. I'm gonna close my hydro flask so it doesn't <laughs> hear me. Those things seal pretty well. So uh, what's what's new in your weird? I you know I maybe might have seen a UFO on the second of November. Shut up! Uh, what? Okay, cool. Good night, everyone. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, it, it, it's it, it's again. It was one of those things. I'm I'm driving to work. It's you know a, a nice crisp fall morning. Mm. We've got some some high clouds. Mm in the sky to kind of give some uh you know depth and definition to things and as i'm driving on my way out of town on the highway here um i see i mean it just looked like a bright white dot um and it was in front of one of these high clouds in the distance and now i admit i'm driving on a highway Mm. you know um it really looked because I kind of like watched it for a while against the shape of the cloud. Like it did not move. Okay. Okay. So it stayed perfectly still. That said, I absolutely understand that, you know, if let's say an airplane is heading either toward me or away from me at just the right mm. angle, it will look like it is staying put. Right. I understand that. I totally understand that. So what do I do? Mm. Well, first thing I do, okay, yes, admittedly, while driving, folks, you shouldn't do this. I open up ADSBExchange.com, which is basically a flight tracking mm. um, website. Mm-hmm. And so I am looking for any plane in that general direction mm. that could explain what I'm seeing. Okay. Right? Like, the area where we grew up, 
right? We're surrounded by three international airports, mm-hmm. San Jose, San Francisco, and Oakland. There's planes in and out of here constantly. Yep. Um, I mean, just yesterday, I saw one that I was like, that is so high up, whatever it is. Like, I don't even see the plane. I just see its contrail, mm. you know? Uh, and I, 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 I like to sometimes look or take a guess. I'm like, okay, how high do I think that is? Okay. Just so that when I do see something anomalous, I can go, well, I know what a plane looks like at 41,000 feet, or I know what a plane looks like uh, at at 20,000 feet or whatever, just to kind of have that frame of reference. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so there is a possibility that what I saw was a small, like, private jet-sized mm. um, plane. But it again, it would have... It would have had to have been moving away from me at just the right angle to appear stationary um, and have been like really reflective. Like the Mm. morning sun had to have been hitting it just right because Mm. it was it was pretty bright. So no, no, uh, no, no discernible like outline or shape, I guess. No, no, no. I mean, it was when people talk about like, oh, yeah, I just saw it It was just like a bright light in the sky, Mm. you know. Um, that obviously wasn't the sun, mm-hmm. you know, because that's big. <laughs> right. You know, this this is small. This this would have been, you know, uh, you know, grab a um, like a like a push pin for sewing. Mm. You know, they've got like the little ball end mm-hmm. on the pins. You know, hold that out at about arm's length, and that's probably about the size okay. of the dot mm-hmm. that I saw. But I mean, it was bright white. Yeah, had no discernible, you know, wings or tails at that distance. Mm at that brilliance Mm -hmm. so i don't know wow i literally don't know interesting um but the fact that it i just i think of what are the odds that you know i'm facing it just the right way and it's facing me just the right way Mm -hmm. to appear stationary so do you have any sense of like what uh cardinal direction it was was it to the east the north the south the west oh lordy let's see if where i saw it i could actually pay attention because my car's got one of those little Mm. directional things in the in the rear view um it was probably to the general south Mm. um maybe a little bit southwest okay so like south southwest i guess they call it Uh so wow yeah i don't know interesting like i said that's that's why that's why i say i maybe might have seen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but yeah Cool. It was cu- it was curious. Yeah, it was curious. Okay. All right. Well, let's dive into our stories. Yeah, we've got a couple uh, as, good ones tonight. As as we just about wrap up yeah. our our year of doing tales from the pages, mm. um, and Seb, this is one that you found for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Like I said last month, you you sent me like two really really good ones, and I was like, I can't pick. <laughs> I need to do them both. Awesome. Um, but I will say, holy moly, the John Reeves incident that I'm about to talk about, uh-huh. links in the show notes, um, you know, it was a little weird to begin with, uh-huh. and then it got weirder. <laughs> like, it really got weirder. Nice. Um, so the main story comes from the uh, March slash April, I think, 1965, yeah, 1965 issue of the APRO Bulletin. Uh, so on March 2nd... Wow in his 60s when this happened uh he was out walking about a mile and a half out from his home at just about two in the afternoon when he saw an unusual object off in the distance out on the flats because 
Yeah, Florida's really flat. Hmm. Uh, when he was about 150 feet away from the ice, suited figure stepped out of the surrounding brush, headed toward the craft. Hmm. The figure then noticed Reeves and headed toward him. Uh, and as the tale is told, it got to within 15 feet hmm. of Mr. Reeves. That's close. Yeah. Your average VW bus is 15 feet long. Mm. By comparison, your average Toyota Highlander, in case you guys need a more modern, is about 16 and a quarter feet long. So just, you know, that's how close he is. It got to within 15 feet of mysteries, stopped, pulled a squarish black object with rounded edges out of its left side. Mm. I quote that part. Mm. Out of its left side and held it at chin level. The object flashed, quote, like lightning at night, which I imagine people in Florida would really would know hmm. what that's like, uh, according to Reeves, whereupon he turned and ran in the process, knocking off his glasses and his hat um, <laughs> with good reason. I'd probably get startled if a creature got that close to me, yeah. uh, basically snapped a selfie with me and startled me. So. <laughs> Uh, so following that, the creature walked back to the saucer, entered it, and left it great speed. Mm. Psh, up it went, right? Yep. So Reeves went to the landing site and found four holes. I need to make that important. Four holes. Mm. Not three, not six, not 18, because that would be weird. Mm. Um, where landing gear had been. He also found a bunch of strange footprints and two sheets of Kleenex-like paper neatly folded and lying on the ground. Mm. Yeah, spoilers, it's a breakup letter. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so Reeves would later describe the creature as robot-like, roughly five feet tall, clothed in a silver-gray, stiff-appearing suit, atop which was a helmet, much like a glass bowl inverted over its head and resting on its shoulders. Mm-hmm. Right? You can picture mm-hmm. the 1965 Halloween costume coming together right here. Yep. <clears throat> the head inside was covered by dark material, which covered the hair area. The ears, mouth, and nose appeared normal, whatever you define as normal, but the eyes were large and very wide set with a flat area between. The hands were covered by mittens. This is not me. Just you. I'm like, oh, I say clubs all the time. I'm going to say mittens instead. No, 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 no. No. Very specifically, the article points out that they are mittens, which appear to be very pliable in the same color as the suits. Oddly enough, Reeves did not notice the foot gear. So again, we have another case where it's like, I don't really notice the feet. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anytime that pops up, little bell goes off in my head. Because it's Pavlov. Um, The craft itself was about 20 to 30 feet in diameter, approximately 8 feet thick. Uh, Around the circumference... Um, of of the saucer, mm. right uh, at the surface. I had I had trouble picturing this when I first read it, mm. so I tried to rewrite it in a way that made sense to me. But anyway, um, were slats that resembled Venetian blinds, hmm. right? But these these aren't for windows. I think this is for maybe thrust yeah. or aerodynamics or something. Anyway, shortly after the creature got into the craft these slats began to open and close and a rumbling noise was heard Mm. uh then the airfoil which i think is going around the center of the saucer began to turn counterclockwise Mm. and the rumbling was replaced with a whistling sound now how many times have we heard talks of saucer sightings Mm. having this kind of whistling sound Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right so the object elevated the gear lifted became horizontal with the ship and then slid into the belly of it, mm. right? So you get the whole, like, landing gear retracting thing. Yeah. 
Um, the overall color of the object was like a soap bubble, iridescent with red and purple and green and blue predominating. Hmm. Um, so I'm just stuck picturing like, you know, the bubble around Glenda, the Good Witch of the North. <laughs> yeah, right. So now here's something that I find really kind of weird. This, this, this kind of stuck out to me. So I stuck it. I suppose I could have stuck it in the paragraph previous. But anyway, when the creature got into the saucer, he entered by way of a cylindrical shaft. And honestly, I probably more of a half cylinder into which was set disc like flaps. Hmm. Right. So I, I feel like there was a period in which um, maybe it was in cartoons. Maybe we saw it in some Bugs Bunnies where, you know, an alien creature would be getting into a saucer. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of like there being like stairs mm-hmm. or a ramp that comes down, it literally was a cylinder that would come out of the bottom. Mm-hmm. They'd step in and it would go up like an elevator. Basically. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so it goes on to say, as the creature shifted his weight from one, uh, to another, the lower flap folded up into place. Mm. When the creature disappeared into the ship, the cylinder like ladder drew up inside. So again, just like the cartoons, um, which I thought was kind of unusual. And then I remember that this guy is in his mid sixties at this point Mm. when this happens, you know, like. Has he seen a lot of cartoons? I don't know. So anyway, going on, generally speaking, the, the APRO investigators felt that Reeves was telling the truth, and they spent a couple paragraphs making comparisons to other notable cases, noting that his lack of detail for the creature's feet indicate it's not a hoax, because hoaxers, hoaxers typically have an answer for everything. Mm, okay. I mean, okay, you know, I'll take that in. Um, unfortunately, within a couple of days, rain had washed away most all the evidence at the landing site photographs taken at the area were basically just of some of the footprints and nothing of the larger site uh regardless apro investigated uh nearby mcdill airfield investigated and on april 1st oddly enough Uh air force spokesman declared this was a hoax april fools yeah now the paper found at the site was composed of what they considered common fibers found all over the world and they likened it to like stencil paper Mm. Right. I think growing up, we would always call it onion skin paper. Yeah. Right. Uh, however, one of the first APRO investigators claimed that the paper wouldn't tear and a sample burned almost explosively. Ew. Yeah. Uh, which, apart from the not tearing thing, makes me think of that magician paper. Mm-hmm. Right. We need to flash create a quick paper. flame. Yeah. yeah flash paper. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um. So much of the debate about the case from this point on in the article gets into a bit of a complaint about how flippantly the Air Force treats things mm. and how they couldn't have bothered considering, you know, X, Y, and Z. Uh, there was, however, the case of an apparent letter dropped by the creature at the site. Yeah. Whether these were written on the stencil paper or something separate isn't really made clear. So I'm mm. just kind of assuming it is. Okay. But the Air Force claimed they were deciphered by way of a simple substitution cipher. Mm. The Air Force deciphered the first page, but deemed it not worth deciphering the second page. (laughs) Okay. Right? All right. And and, and I think they literally said that it's it's not worth (laughs) spending the money to try and decipher the second page. Okay. So... In the article, the the APRO guys determined that the second page was written by a different hand, so that the hand writing, even though it's kind of a a uh, glyph-like script, contained many new glyphs that didn't appear on the first page. Mm. 
So the message on the first page, and I believe this is what they're talking about, uh, reads, Planet Mars, are you coming home soon? We miss you very much. Why did you stay away too long? <laughs> so I'm going to go out on a limb based just on that and say that the, the robot creature was actually David Bowie. <laughs> Why did you stay away too long? <laughs> I mean, this sounds... This sounds like Bowie lyrics. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. Now, to add even more mystery to things, one of the APRO investigators also claimed that the Air Force returned to John Reeves. uh, uh, The letter, right, that the Air Force returned to Reeves was not the same paper that he gave to them. Oh. So, like, they basically, like, you know, tried to make a copy, Mm -hmm. not a Xerox, you know, a copy, Mm -hmm. and give it back to him. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, what I find really funny is that the APRO investigators, their suggestions for rationalizing everything, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what we, we want to come up with, like, one answer that covers all the bases. Mm. And you can't always do that. So, basically, they said it's all a hoax mm. and hypnosis was involved. Oh. Or it was all totally real, but the aliens kept fake documents on hand at all times <laughs> to throw off investigators. <laughs> Of course. Of course. course. What was I thinking? It all makes sense now. (laughs) Now, for what it's worth, multiple polygraphs were administered over the course of this case, and they all basically agree that John Reeves appears to be telling the truth about his experience. Now, put whatever faith you have in polygraph tests, you know, aside. He definitely seems to believe that, you know, his experience was his experience right um now one of the things because this is kind of how you found the story is you were searching volkswagen and ufo <laughs> yes. right right so I, I looked a little into this book it's a book called alien spacecraft monsters and improving human potential <laughs> one of these things is not like the other one of these things does not belong um by a guy named william trantham um, and I and I try to do a little bit of looking okay. about Mr. Trantham here, and this does appear does appear to be his only book. Oh, okay. Um, unless all the other ones are just out of print, or I don't know. Um, but so he claims that Reeves was out collecting snakes for his son, who was majoring in herpetology at the University of Florida, and thought he'd come across a VW bus with colored lights showing through the windows. I love it. Now, love this, it. Is, this is already after describing um, a rather eventful uh, trip down to Florida on a private plane. Okay. Um, it, it, it's all, I'll be honest. And, and and I'm not even getting into like debunking the VW bus theory here, um, and I'll get to that in a second. But things come across as like so vague and not really even close to matching like what we get in the APRO article that I'm inclined to just leave this book out, lock, stock, and barrel. Okay. But let me break it down just a little bit one time. Okay, now. Bringing in my VW expertise, any Volkswagen in 1965, whether brand new or years old, had a 6-volt electrical system. Okay. Right? Um, 12-volt electrics would not come along until 1967. Now, Seb, your car, 
my modern cars yeah. are 71 bus out there. Uh-huh. They all have 12 volt electronics. 12 volt. 12 volt. Right? Okay. 12 volts. Yep. Um, at 2 p.m. on a March afternoon uh-huh. in Florida, uh-huh. any lights uh-huh. from a VW at Let's say, what what did the original artist say? 150 feet? Mm -hmm. 150 feet away, in the daytime, six-volt electrical system, any lights from a VW would hardly be seen. Mm -hmm. Especially colored ones from the interior of the vehicle. I think you make a good point, yeah. You know, as much as I love the idea of it just being like, you know, a bunch of space hippies mm-hmm. in their in their intergalactic VW bus. Mm-hmm. See this month's cover art, uh-huh. uh, 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 gen- gingerly stolen from a panel of a Wilbur Kuchmeyer comic. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's going to look amazing. <laughs> I spent two days coloring it. It was it's oh, great. Nice. It's so cool in Photoshop. So it looks even better than my hand could have made it. Anyway, in this version of the account in this book, mm-hmm. the craft only had three legs. Mm, okay, so there's and the robot, yeah, and the robot resembled a human being in a silver suit who emerged from the craft, oh, not from the brush toward the craft. Oh no, no, yeah. There was still the brilliant fr- the flash and Reeves fleeing, okay. but this version also just randomly includes a police officer who pulls over, gets flashed at, and also flees. Mm, okay, no idea where that comes from. Okay. Um, this version of the counter also claimed that the footprints were sunk pretty decently into the soil, and they estimate the robot weighed 600 pounds. Whoa, that's a big robot. <clears throat> right? Now, like I said, honestly, the details of the story with this book and from this author are so different mm-hmm. from the original Apera article. I am kind of inclined to just leave it completely out of consideration, but because you included VW bus in it, I had to at least talk about it <laughs> well, a little bit. Well, the APRO article, that's 65. Yes. Is there any sense of when this book was from? I, you know, I will be honest. It, I hate to be the guy to judge a book by its <laughs> cover. Yeah. Um, but it, it is, it definitely has the look mm. of kind of a, Late 90s, early 2000s, very kind of like low budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to see if just quickly and what is here, where is the... Oh, copyright 2013. 2013, okay. So 2013. So definitely many decades after the event, the event yes. basically. So yes. maybe memories have kind of faded a little or... I, you know, I don't even know, like this Trantham guy who... Yeah. who presents himself as someone who flew down to Florida with a friend to investigate this and interview Reeves. Yeah. Okay. Um, he's not someone mentioned in the APRO article. Mm. Mm-hmm. He's not really someone that I see listed anywhere else mm-hmm. in discussions about this case. Mm-hmm. So I, whether he did or not, mm-hmm. I just can't verify it. Okay. Okay. So a uh, grain of salt a chuckle at the VW stuff, oh. and on we go. Okay. Because now, stuff gets really weird. Like, it hasn't been weird already. 600-pound right. robot. All right, yep. all right, here we go. Yep. We go. Okay. So, one of the links that you included was for a blog called The Church of Ufology. <sighs> this website claims that a person named Sherry, okay. who was a neighbor of John Reeves in 1965, sent in a handwritten letter to that website mm-hmm. in 2013, along with a copy of the alien letter dropped at the scene of the incident. Oh, wow. 
Okay. Okay. So I try to do a little bit of poking around um, and see, you know, if this Jerry person was real. Right. Um, and I did, I think I found, I think it was a newspaper article. Yes, I've got it down at the bottom of this section of text here. Hmm. Um, I believe it is a guy named Jerry Leonard. Okay. Who's probably in his 20s hmm. at the time of this. So anyway, Jerry claims that he and his parents were the first people Reeves told about his encounter back in March of 65. Um, the the webpage, ugh, I tell you, I'm, it's probably just a blogspot thing, but my work would not let me open this. I actually had to, you know, I had to do it on my personal laptop. Oh, I'm like, uh, okay, fine. Uh-huh. Okay, fine. Um, but it has a picture of Reeves looking at a footprint that was about 10 or 11 inches long and kind of dog bone shaped, hmm. right? So obviously, you know, kind of a, a, a more bulbous heel, very thin kind of through the arch and then kind of bulbous at the, the toes, mm-hmm. basically, or the ball, the ball of the foot, perhaps. Okay. Right. And so the whole thing about 10 or 11 inches long, um, and when it gets to kind of that moment of encounter, mm-hmm. right, uh, it's described here as the spaceman then walked toward Reeves with open arms, indicating he <laughs> meant no harm. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yep. Reeves said the spaceman looked humanoid and had slanted eyes and a slit-like mouth, which, okay, that, that kind of seems like we've got some communion, you know, typical gray kind of, mm-hmm. um, yeah influence there when reeves overcame his fears he stood up that's when the spaceman tapped him on the shoulder three times wait what Mm. and pointed toward the ship okay so now we've gone from reeves and the creature being 15 feet away and the creature being like i want to show my friends back home picture um Mm. uh to actual interaction okay okay and i don't i genuinely don't know which to believe at this point Mm. I really don't. Um, Reeves said he walked toward the ship and at the encouragement of the spaceman climbed the ladder just high enough to peer inside. Mm. He saw a table, instruments and gauges, but quickly retreated down the ladder. Hmm. Okay, for all I know, this thing looked like the inside of the spaceship in Plan 9 from Outer Space (laughs) at this point. Right. Um, The spaceman who was waiting at the bottom of the ladder then guided Reeves to an open area about 80 yards. So what's that, like 250 feet? Something like that. Hmm. From the ship with... And, okay, sorry. End of sentence. New sentence. With a stick he picked up from the ground, the spaceman drew a symbol in the sand that indicated the place where his spaceship would land again. Oh. He's basically saying, I'm coming back and I'm going to come back to this spot. Uh-huh. After that, he pointed to the eastern horizon, then the western horizon, and then drew a line in the sand. Hmm. And then did it 29 times. Somehow... <laughs> I love any any book on UFOs or the unknown or any of that. When a sentence starts with somehow, question it. Somehow he made Reeves understand that he would return in 29 days. Yeah. Um, after the spaceship took off, Reeves found two sheets of alien writing on the ground at the landing site. Though the sheets looked like paper, they weren't. Reeves and a friend who also was a local news reporter and photographer tested the paper in various ways. Now... Again, here's where things get weird. Mm. They even tried to burn an edge, but it would not burn. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, because earlier it was almost explosive. Correct. Yeah. So now we've now we've got an account which is completely opposite mm-hmm. 
of what we got in 1965. And again, worth noting, you know, this book comes out in 2013. This website allegedly gets a letter in 2013. Mm, okay. So, you know, just take all of that into your mind. Let's just roll with it for a second. Now, the 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 website actually had like I guess some testimonials from other people who knew mm. John Reeves, I guess. Okay. And so one person went so far as to say, did you know that his hair became less gray and he appeared younger after the encounter? Oh, weird. Last time I spoke to him, he was 82 years old and just as spry as he was at 65. Hmm. Um, And the page goes on to say, Jerry told us that when Reeves got older, he moved to South Florida to be closer to family and that he lived to be 104. Hmm. Now, this is more or less confirmed. Hmm. He passed away in January of 2002. Wait a second. You're saying this guy lived from 1899 to 2002? He seriously did. Jeez, he, he got to see the beginning of two separate centuries. Yeah, that's crazy. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Now, let's see. And and it, honestly, I think he was born like January 29th and it like died like January 12th or 15th, mm. something like that. Um, so technically, he didn't quite make it to his 103rd birthday, but that's still a long life and still pretty close to yeah. what this website was claiming. Mm-hmm. That could just be bad math. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and yes, the the person writing the blog post says, Jerry told me the spaceman did return 29 days later, but his ship was prevented from landing by jets from the nearby McDill Air Force Base. Oh, man. Now. You would be fine thinking that that was just the experience of John Reeves and nothing else happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, listeners, just you wait. <laughs> because in August of 1968, about a year before Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, Reeves was taken on a quick flight to the backside of the moon. What? They actually landed on it, the moon, that is, and Reeves was escorted into a clear domed base where he was able to walk comfortably without any kind of special gear. He returned to Earth with gray moon dust in the cuffs of his pants and a souvenir crystal about the size of a baseball. A a crystal? A crystal. A crystal. The size of a baseball from the moon. Moon crystal. I love it. Now, look, between you and me, the dust, sure, I'll believe it. It seems like that dust gets everywhere from Mm. what I've heard on like actual science programs. Mm -hmm. But here's a crystal and it's huge. Yeah. I have trouble believing that. The moon crystal? Yes. Which, I mean, maybe you just call it a moonstone. Oh, wait, no, that's a thing. Well, yeah. Oh, anyway. Reeves showed his treasures to a number of people, but kept them locked and hidden so the military government wouldn't confiscate them as they had done with the sheets of alien writing. (laughs) Um, so later, it's not really said when, mm. but the space people now right. had also taken them to their home planet, which they called Monahea, <laughs> M-O-N-I-H-E-Y-A. Mm-hmm. Uh, these were not like the spacemen Reeve first encountered who had slanted eyes and a slit for mouth. These space people were beautiful, tall and slim with smooth skin and facial features, a bit like those of, oof, I really don't want to say it. Let's just, let's just say uh, people from Asian cultures. Right. Yeah. They wore tight-fitting jumpsuits and all appeared to be about 30 years old, though they told them they were much older than that. Huh. In Earth time, in your Earth years... Reeves said it took one and a half days to get to Monahea hmm. and the same amount of time to return to Earth. Okay. Now, you would be forgiven, dear listeners, for going, wow, that's a lot. Surely there can't be more. Oh, 
I mean, technically, there's not. But but wait, there's more. But 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 wait, let's have drinks. Um, what's kind of cool is that you know this is such a tale that it actually inspired a brewery in Florida uh, to to basically make a celebratory uh, uh, beer. Yeah. Celebrating the John Reeves incident. Unfortunately, it's an IPA. Okay. Uh, and um, I'm probably going to piss off some listeners when I say this, but IPAs are garbage. <laughs> I can't stand IPAs. They do not taste good. Um, but anyway, I still think it's cool. And man, I think it'd be fun just to have the can. Yeah. From that, even if I don't, even if I don't drink it. So yeah. There's, there's John Reeves. There's a lot to unpack here. I mean, there's a whole lot to unpack. If we leave out the whole going to the moon, going to the alien planet thing, and we just just look at the Florida story, essentially tonight we've seen like three different versions of that story, and and they all kind of yeah have weird little bits that don't fit with each other. Basically, you know. Yeah. I mean, I got to say, with, with with regards to the Volkswagen bus part, I mean that was the first and first thing that caught my eye and i was like oh this is gonna be something tay loves yeah um the picture that popped in my head i i totally get what you're saying about the whole light thing you know mm-hmm. um the picture i got in my head was like maybe it was like a uh, 60s hippie party bus and they they had like like strobe lights and do you know what i mean like a, a separate mm-hmm. like light system and i i, I the picture but, in my, i got in my but how, head, how how would they have powered it like with love, man. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but but <laughs> but like the, I, I just got this. Like, remember how the the saucer had those things that look like Venetian blinds? Yes. Like the picture that formed in my head was like like a bus, and the windows of the bus had Venetian blinds, and like the light was coming through that. Like that's the picture I had. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no, that's that's totally fair. What kind of now, like? Inside of your head, did you picture the bus in a particular way, like a particular color scheme, or was it? Um, honestly, not really. I mean, I at sixty-five, I probably would have pictured it as a as a like a like a Westphalia camper. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I mean, truly, it could have been you know anything. If if you really wanted to go on, you'd have just gone full like twenty-one window deluxe uh-huh. with the sunroof, and that way you've got all the windows, including the roof windows, yeah. where light can get out. Right. So. Not a panel that van. Would, no, definitely, <laughs> definitely not a panel van. Yeah. No, not not a double cab or a single cab. Um, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I, I really feel, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel like that initial encounter mm. may very well have been real. If, if you look at just kind of like that. The APRO cor- version of the story. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I mean, especially, like, look, you got a 60-year-old guy, man. I mean... Like this guy has gone through World War One, World War Two, the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, without knowing the guy and his character, yeah. doesn't strike me as like someone who'd just be like, "Yeah, dude, I saw a freaking robot and it took a picture of me, or it flashed me with its, you know, laser death ray." Yeah, the poor guy was <laughs> flew off in a. Yeah, he, you know, he, he was he was just trying he was to, traumatized. He was, he was poor guy just wanted to go out and collect some snakes. You know, like potentially have a normal day, get some snakes because um, it's Florida. It's, it's Florida, you know, uh, that that and gators. Um, <laughs> so so anyway, I, I mean, it does strike me as a case where, you know, he may he may really have had that experience. Mm. Um, and then maybe it was one of those things where 
I don't know how to describe it. Like, you know, you have a life-changing experience. Mm. And then you kind of like, I don't know, come down off that high, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. And then it's like, oh, life isn't as exciting as when I had that experience. I wish I could have more experiences. And that wishing Mm. is so intense Mm -hmm. that you're like, I've been to the backside of the moon and I got a crystal the size of a baseball. (laughs) And they took me to their home planet, which is called Money, 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 money. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Wait, exactly. Hey. Yeah, I mean, it could have been. Feeling very musical this month, apparently. (laughs) He may have just been an older gentleman that just was lonely and wanted more attention and just, you know, spiced up his story. It's possible. Yeah, it, it, it happens. Yeah. I mean, that is the thing. That is the thing. It's, it's, you know, you, you get that kind of, I don't want to say taste of fame because, you know, it's, if anything, having these experiences and, and putting yourself out there, you're, you're more subject to ridicule Mm -hmm. than fame. Um, in a lot of cases, I mean, I would say, especially in like the fifties and Mm sixties. Um, but yeah, you kind of, you kind of want more. Mm -hmm. And if, and if you don't have more genuine encounters, you, I, I think in some ways you are more, more, I don't know, prone Mm -hmm. to you know creating them in your head Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so yeah the tale of john reeves i gotta tell you um i i can't remember which of the links but one of the links had a supposed image of the alien handwritten letter with the alien language and symbols and stuff yeah a couple of them did um and i i kind of dug that i don't often see like alien handwriting it's always fun to see what it looks like you know supposedly Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. Two two last two last thoughts that I had just yeah just hit me. So the hit first one well. the the beer the commemorative beer that had the yes. label commemorating this whole encounter alien yeah. encounter. If that label had also featured in addition to like a saucer and all that kind of crap the alien a Volkswagen bus, <sighs> how much like like would that have jumped to the top of your like buy it now eBay search list or something? Do you know what I mean? I mean it definitely would have been up there. <laughs> For sure. Like, I wouldn't even need the can. Just somebody find me, like, the, the, the sticker that they like put. Like, the graphic, yeah. On the can. Yeah, just give me the graphic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it'd be a neat. It's anything, anytime that I find, you know, crossover bits. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, hey, here's UFOs and VWs. Here's UFOs and surfing. Here's surfing and VWs. Like, yeah, let's do it. Let's. I'm always down for that. Now, th- this is the last thing I got to say about Mr. Reeves. Okay. Part, the part of the story that in some ways is like the most outlandish is the part that hit me the most. And I'm I'm only going to tease this because if I actually go into this, it's going to take 25 minutes and we'll get way off track. And I want to save oh this for a future episode topic. Okay. The baseball-sized crystal. Yes. Like, that's the part of this that seems the most real to me. And, and the reason I say that is because really? in the late 80s, early 90s, for a, time, for a short time... There was a flurry of, let me just say, alien crystal stuff going on. And it even included Bob Lazar. <laughs> oh. And, and, okay. and, and I, I want to, I just want to tease it. I'll come, we'll come back to this in 2024, but let's just put a pin in this for now, okay? All right. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Cool. All right. So, great story. Seb. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Seriously. You found you found uh, <laughs> most of the info. I just organized it so I could talk about it. Nice. Um, tell us about your 
article, Seb, because yeah. it's a very interesting topic. Yeah, yeah. I'm calling tonight's story Photographing Other Dimensions, um, and that is also the title of the article given by the author, Gary Parsons. The article appeared in Beyond Reality Magazine, number 37, which is the May-slash-June issue from 1979. <clears throat> Quote, It is said that the American Southwest, especially Arizona, with its deserts and natural sandstone monuments, is a photographer's paradise. One can, can I oh, can I can I just interject sure, real quickly? Because yeah. you can't just say it's the American Southwest. You have to say it's the great, the great American Southwest. The great American Southwest. Yes. If, every, every, everybody who gets that now has like Giorgio Moroder's The Chase thumping thumping away oof. in their head. It is a photographer's anyway. paradise, man. One can yep. journey into the picturesque. 100, 150 square miles of painted desert or the Sonoran Desert, which extends into southeastern California and Mexico, and film nature's beauty in all its historic splendor. For someone, especially one with a love of photography, it could be a dream come true. And it was for O.F. Bolt of Doyle, Tennessee. What a name. Oh, what a name. OF. Uh, I wish I knew what OF stand for. I never was able to figure that part out. Interesting. Uh, OF Bolt of Doyle, Tennessee, who looked forward to his long-awaited vacation like a child eager to make new discoveries. When Mr. Bolt visited Arizona, he brought along his camera, taking nearly 400 photos of desert scenery. Quote, I deliberately took no pictures of people. He said to friends upon his return home, only scenery, because I find people distract your attention from the scenery, okay? He hates people. He hates people. He wants to be alone. What can I say? When he returned to Doyle, he shipped the film to a New Jersey mail order house for processing, and the slides were returned to him shortly thereafter. What Mr. Bolt discovered upon opening the envelope caused him to do a quick double take and shudder in disbelief. For one of the slides taken at the <laughs> at the 330,689-acre Oregon Pipe Cactus National Monument, that's a mouthful, okay. say that three yep. times fast, clearly shows a human figure dressed in a loincloth and foot covering made from skins. The figure resembles a prehistoric man. The creature in the photograph has a large head, could weigh over 250 pounds, and is approximately 6 feet tall. He is standing in knee-high grass about 16 feet from the camera. According to Bolt, Bolt, the camera saw something that I never saw. If I had seen that thing in front of me, I'd have left my Mercedes on the spot and take it off. <laughs> okay, that's a weird, you know, apparently he's, uh, you know... He's got this Mercedes in the desert. That's a picture. Yeah, no kidding. I'm I'm assuming it was a rental, but I find that interesting coming from Doyle, Tennessee, where I kid you not, I'm looking at this right now. Yeah. The population uh -huh. in 2021 mm -hmm. was a whopping 502 people. Oh, geez, that's not much at all. Yeah, we've got and that's de that's down from the 2020 sorry 2010 census mm -hmm. of 537. Oh, Doyle, we've gone from a. Uh, Volkswagen bus in Florida to a Mercedes in Arizona, apparently. I know. Yeah. We're, well, we're at least keeping with uh, you know German-built cars, I guess. I, I guess, yeah. Um, Bolt, who was retired, said he was so upset by the photo that four months after returning from his trip, he drove back to southern Arizona west of Tucson and retraced his steps. While in Arizona for the second time, he stopped at Flagstaff's Northern Arizona University and showed the slides to anthropology department head 
William B. Griffin. Several anthropologists and others spent from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. with him. Quote, he acted sincere and seemed very shaken by this, Griffin told the Phoenix, Arizona Republic newspaper. Mm -hmm. After studying the slide with other NAU professors, Griffin brought out uh, that the facial features of the man in the slide were large and coarse, and it looked like a classic case of acromegaly. Acro- sure. Acromegaly is a disease that leads to gradual enlargement of the body in jaw and mouth, nose, hands, and feet. Uh, oh, no, excuse me. It's a disease that leads to gradual enlargement of the body in which some parts of the body continue to grow after normal growth has stopped. The jaws, mouth, nose, hands, and feet are most often affected. The condition, medically related to giantism, is Hmm. a result of excessive action on the anterior part of the pituitary gland. Bolt was questioned at length by the NAU professors concerning his normal picture-taking habits. Oh, hey, hey now. (laughs) Said Griffin, he, which is Bolt, just went around snapping pictures really fast. He didn't even look at what he was taking sometimes. He admitted to I, this. So he could have taken a picture of something that he didn't see, unquote. I have thoughts. Oh, okay. Um, but Bolt rejected this account of his photographing habits. Quote, I don't just snap pictures without looking through the camera lens, he said. Bolt's weird experience, although unique, is far from new. Many photographers have concentrated their efforts on inanimate objects, not seeing anything but what they wanted to snap, only to discover later with the, when their film was developed that the sensitive eye of their camera had picked up things that would stagger the imagination, unquote. So that's where the article ends, and I want to talk about my investigation, but you have some thoughts, so let's see what you're thinking. Well, okay, so so honestly, like the next sentence you had after I said what I said, mm. you know, kind of took care of oh, that, really? because I'm like, wait, 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 wait. This guy was all excited about this trip. Yeah. He's like, I... Screw people. Yeah. I want pictures of rocks and cacti yep. and jackalopes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if I were doing that, if I was going on a trip specifically mm-hmm. to focus on my photography, I would not shoot from the hip all willy-nilly. Okay. And so the fact that he, he rejects the sarcasm, like, no, 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 no. I, I, I don't just snap pictures without looking through the camera lens. Now, I mean... I also get it like that that that's a there's a fair point made that mm-hmm. we may be fo- so focused when taking a picture mm-hmm. on a particular subject that we're not picking up other things that are in mm-hmm. you know in the frame yeah so okay let's run with that oh, okay what else do you have yeah so um yeah when I stumbled upon this story I thought it'd be really fun to investigate um I've never seen it mentioned in any other paranormal literature and I've never seen any like clickbaity youtube videos on this on this exact story you know so I'd, well that's might be a good thing yeah yeah um and also you know we really haven't talked much on the pod about paranormal photography um, no it's true we haven't yeah i mean um in some ways that kind of makes sense because talking about it on a podcast is almost like running a uh, petting zoo over the telephone <laughs> you know it, it can be a little can be a little difficult to get across in this medium but um you know there's many different types of of paranormal photography of course there's spirit photography which is well right. known from the beginnings of the medium back in the 19th century up until like the night vision cameras of today's ghost hunting tv shows mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. there's also something called um i'm going to mispronounce this photography which is the claimed ability to burn images from one's mind onto surfaces such as photographic film by psychic means okay 
Um, and there's even something called Curlian photography. And ah, I've, I've, I've heard of Larian and Moian <laughs> photography, right. but, but tell me about Curlian. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, Curlian photography. <laughs> Curlian photography is a collection of, get this, photographic techniques used to capture the phenomenon of electrical coronal discharges. And some believe that images you created by Curlian photography might depict a conjectural energy field or aura thought by some to surround living things. Oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard of that. Um, it's it's the um, it's sort of well known because some people claim that you can like if you put a leaf on a photographic plate and use this technique, you'll see little like electrical crap coming out the edges of mm -hmm. it some mm -hmm. people claim i don't know if this is true or not that if you take the leaf and you cut it in half and then do it again the there's a ghost image of where the top half used to be and people talk about how that's like the spirit or the soul or the life essence hmm. um it, okay it's also a photographic technique that was used for the cover art of a one of um uh uh george harrison's albums that he did after the beatles broke up which is kind of weird interesting um, huh. Now this story, tonight's story, the Bolt, Mr. Bolt story, it doesn't like technically seem to fit easily into any of these two categories. Like it almost sounds like he's photographing something from the past, like an ancient caveman or something. You know what I mean? Right, or or like kind of like the. Um... Oh my god, I don't remember the name of it, but there was a guy who, I think it was in England, and he took a picture of his daughter. And when the film came back, there's like a spaceman in the background. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, that's, right? a, that's a famous one for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, now the once I decided, okay, this is the story I wanted to focus on tonight. You know, this is actually the second story from Beyond Reality magazine mm -hmm. that I've investigated for the show. Yeah. Um, previously, we learned about an alleged wormhole that sent a father and son back in time to the Battle of Little Bighorn. And after researching that case, I felt that the story was was a complete fiction inspired by an episode of The Twilight Zone. Mm -hmm. So my assumption going into tonight's story was be, would be that it would be completely mm -hmm. fictional. Um, I expected all the individuals named to turn out to be imaginary. Um, now, the article also includes an illustration that I took to be a reproduction of Mr. Bolt's mysterious photograph. Um, and my original plan was to take this photograph and run it through some online AI image search tools. Because mm -hmm. I was thinking maybe the photograph actually shows like maybe a sculpture or artwork or something cooked up by the magazine's art department. And perhaps this technology that we have these days um, could identify this sculpture, you know? Right, right, right. So that was like my, my working hypothesis, you know? Um, now, I kind of quickly ran into a couple road bumps. Um, the photograph in the article is actually very strange looking, but I'm not entirely sure that it is the same image as Mr. Bolt's photo. Okay. Um, the figure in Bolt's photo is wearing, quote, foot coverings made from skins, unquote. But the figure, the, the figure illustrated in the magazine is only visible from the waist up. Mm -hmm. And also the magazine shows a mysterious second figure that's not mentioned in the text of the article. Um, and there's a third reason that I think it might not be the same image, but I'll hold on to that for just a second. Um, and in starting to do the research, I quickly discovered that a lot of the things mentioned in the article kind of check out. The Oregon Pipe Cactus National Monument is a real place. Yep. Um, Northern Arizona University is a real institution. Yep. There really was an anthropologist by the name of William B. Griffin. Right? Okay. And the magazine claims that there's there was a article about this that appeared in the Arizona Republic newspaper. Right. And indeed, there is an article about this in that same newspaper on, that was published on September 5th, 1978. It's an article written by a gentleman named Sam Negri. 
Okay. And thanks to Emma from the Arizona State Library, I was able to get a copy of the article, which continues our story tonight. Shout out, Emma. Emma. So the art, the newspaper article, which predates the magazine article, goes on to talk about how Griffin said he questioned Bolt at length about his picture-taking habits. Mm-hmm. Um, he just went around snapping pictures real fast. He didn't even look at what he was taking sometimes. He admitted to this, so he could have taken a picture of something that he didn't see. Griffin added... That's the first hypothesis. It's the only thing that really fits reality. But there is something peculiar about this, and I'm not satisfied with that explanation, Griffin said. Uh, Griffin said that Bolt was going to send him a copy of the slide. We had an honors class, and we agreed that as a project, they would take these pictures and question people down there to see if it matched anything they'd seen in the area. But he never got sent a copy, a copy of the, the slide. Mm-hmm. Bolt said in an interview, that was not my understanding, but I'll be glad to send them a copy of the photo. He, Mr. Bolt, said that the National Enquirer had offered him $5,000 for it. He said he rejected the offer because he had been told by others that selling it would make it appear that he was simply looking for commercial gain. Uh, Bolt disputed Griffin's account of his picture-taking habit. I don't just snap pictures without looking through the camera. That's ridiculous, he said. Walter Birkby, a forensic anthropologist at the State Museum, State Museum at the University of Arizona here said he saw a clipping from Tennessee about Bolt's experience. Quote, I'm as I'm intrigued as hell. I'd love to take a look at it. Unquote. Berkby may Berkby may soon get his chance. Bolt said that he would have a copy made and sent to Arizona immediately. So once I got that newspaper article, and of course, unfortunately, that doesn't reproduce the image either, the photograph. Okay, yeah. Um, But it made me wonder. It's like, okay, if Bolt had refused $5,000 for the National Enquirer in 1978, like, I I find it a little weird that it would appear a year later in Beyond Reality magazine. So that's another thing that makes me think that maybe the image in the magazine isn't actually the photo. Mm -hmm. It really frustrates me because I really wish I could know one way or the other. Um, And unfortunately, a lot of the other folks in the article, Walter Birkby died in 2015. The anthropologist Griffin died in 2016. I've never been able to track down anything about Bolt or where he, if he passed away, did he have a family? Um, The only thing I was able to find is that it sort of sounds like the newspaper article author Sam Negri might still be alive, but he's like super old. Mm -hmm. Um, And also... You know, when I uploaded the image into a couple of online AI image reverse search engines, it couldn't find nothing. It basically said, sorry, you know, this doesn't look like anything I'm familiar with, you know. Hmm. So it, it's it's almost like tonight's story was the exact opposite of my experience with the um, wormhole at the Battle of Little Bighorn situation. It's like there are real people involved with this story. There really was a mysterious photograph. Um, and it's it remains a mystery. I feel like I have not solved anything. So I hope that... If any of our listeners tonight know more about this story, know if this image has been published anywhere, I'd love to take a look at it, you know? Yeah, likewise. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a town that, at least in recent years, only has about 500 people, Mm -hmm. I almost feel like, you know, trying to search up a name like Bolt. Mm -hmm. Wait, I've seen b-o-l-d-t and b-o-l-t yeah in in the notes and i'm i'm going to assume that's b-o-l-d-t i think you're right um just searching up that name with doyle tennessee with, with, with a town that small there's got to be cousins and uncles you would, and yeah, yeah. God, you would think there was something um it blows my mind that there might be this slide just in somebody's garage in tennessee you know with this 
bizarro image, you know? Yeah, who knows, really? That's that's one of those things that, you know, if it really was one of those things that got squirreled away, Mm -hmm. um, it may be one of those things that got so squirreled away that, you know, maybe maybe mr bolt passed maybe his folks were like well or not his folks and like his his relatives mm-hmm. you know were just like well this is just a box of slides yeah. you know off they go to take it to goodwill or whatever heck goodwill or the trash heap who knows yeah. i mean it's sadly very possible that it could be gone but I, I truly hope it's not how crazy would that have been though if like that professor's plan had panned out and you were like the student in that college class and the professor was oh, like, wild. your homework assignment is to take this insane photograph from another dimension and like drive down to, you know, Pipe Tree Hill or wherever, Pipe Oregon National. What the hell is a Pipe Oregon cactus? <laughs> it is it is a certain type of cactus. Is it? Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, it okay. truly is. All right, yeah. yeah. But that would, that would have been like, that's a hip professor, you know what I'm saying? That's oh, cool. completely. No, yeah. I think I think it's a great idea. It must have been, it would have been an amazing class, yeah. to say the least. For sure, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I really, I hope there's more to this story. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, and I hope it comes back around for us. Mm-hmm. Well, every month, and I think it's something we'll probably do once we uh, once we switch things up around yeah. here. Every month, Seb's going to dig in the old timey newspaper archives to unearth a story of high strangeness. Seb, could this possibly be our earliest story? That's a pretty early date you got there. It's it's a pretty early date. We uh, the, tonight's uh, article comes from the Daily Dispatch newspaper of Richmond, Virginia, from June thirtieth, eighteen eighty one. Um, I do think we had an article from the 1870s about a, okay. a, a cowboy in Texas that saw a saucer-shaped craft fly over him and his horse. Um, but, yeah, it's still a pretty, pretty early article. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a kind of a short article. But um, I got to say, you know, I've heard of haunted houses. I've heard of haunted cemeteries. Mm-hmm. But before I read tonight's article, I had never heard of a haunted garage sale before. This, oh, I mean, that's my kind of garage this, sale. This is news to me, so here we go. Um, the furniture in a... Oh, and there's our train. There's our train. There's our train. The furniture in the New York boarding house that bore the reputation of being haunted was sold by auction Monday. The notoriety given to the house attracted a crowd of buyers, and the secondhand dealers met with an unexpected competition. Annie McWaters, the servant girl who had the most startling interview with the ghost, was there and still persisted that the house was haunted. A lady among the bidders lost her pocketbook, and this theft was laid upon the ghost. Oh, my heavens. So <laughs> I, I love that it's a short, sweet little article, but um, yep. I think I think there's some interesting interesting things here because, uh, it, you know, it's, it doesn't come to a surprise to us or any of our listeners, I would assume, that in the year 2023, if you have haunted objects or objects associated with a haunting um there's 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 interest in that you know people Mm -hmm. build whole museums around that you know um and and here we are in the 1880s and um there's it's it's sort of a similar kind of thing going on there's a crowd that's interested in objects associated with the haunted house you know and apparently apparently people are wanting to bid on some of these objects you know so right so it's interesting how there's that that kind of some things never change i guess you know exactly yeah yeah exactly love it love it well ladies and gentlemen it is december Mm. merry christmas Mm -hmm. happy hanukkah happy new year happy kwanzaa blessed yule Mm -hmm. 
I'm probably forgetting at least one or two, so my apologies if I've left you out. Um, that is it for this month. That's it for 2023. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. Holy smokes. What a year. Wow. Uh, thank you for joining us on this adventure into the weirdness that surrounds us every day. Um, you can follow us. I will say it now. This is the first hint <gasps> you're getting at our at our new name. Ooh. You can follow us over on Twitter at Phenomena City. Mm, I like it. Yep. I tried to add the other word and it didn't quite fit. So I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, well, it's going to be this now. Uh, you can follow me at BusBoot71. You can follow Seb. At Clan and McMuffin. Oh, God, the best best handle in all of twitter um hey subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts we are working to ensure that it is a seamless transition come february you'll actually still be able to get our first 36 episodes as well as the new show all on one feed awesome is the plan fingers crossed that it actually works out that way so whether you're on apple stitcher spotify or you know you're uh bidding for our podcasts in a haunted garage sale uh be sure to rate and review us as well and hey just as importantly share us with your friends word of mouth goes a long way actually probably does better than the algorithm does these days to spread the love around and we'd appreciate it if you tell at least one friend about the podcast uh, we want to give big thanks to the Ghoulies for letting us use Hot Rods from Outer Space from their album Midnight in America's our intro and outro music. Go give them a follow on the socials and make sure to hit up thegooliesdenver.bandcamp.com to buy their music. We've got merch and I can't find my cursor to scroll down. There it is. We've got merch and that's over at shop.spreadshirt.com slash N-O-T-L-G. That's right. Shirts, buttons, hoodies. I mean, it is it is fall and winter now. Mm. Um, I don't think we have an umbrella, mm. but that's okay. Uh, mugs, probably, if you're doing up some cocoa or some hot tea mm. or a peppermint mocha. Oh, I want a peppermint mocha mm-hmm. now. Anyway, uh, don't mind me. Uh, anyway, huge thanks, as always, to Kate the Steam-Powered Mouse for doing the show's artwork. Um, if you want to throw a few bones our way, keep the lights on and the hosting going, you can do so over at patreon.com slash N-O-T-L-G. That is it for us this month. That is it for us this year. We will catch you in 2024. And in the meantime, spread some holiday cheer, but also go out and find something weird. Good night. Good night, folks. I got my... But how, how, how would they have powered it? Like, with love, man. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but, but. <laughs>